Then... Then what, Doc? Then it don't matter. I'll be all around in the dark. I'll be everywhere. Wherever you can look. Wherever there's a fight so hungry people can eat, I'll be there. Wherever there's a cop beating up a guy, I'll be there. I'll be in the way guys yell when they're mad. I'll be in the way kids laugh when they're hungry and they know supper's ready. And when the people are eating the stuff they raise and living in the houses they build, I'll be there too. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of A Thousand and One by One, where we take a film out of the wonderful book, A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die, discuss it, analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book. A happy new year to you all. I am still Adam St. John. And I am still Ian Woodington. We're here. We're still kicking. It's 2019. It is 2019. That's that's a fact. It is. So as we do before any episode, we will give you our uh, our recommendations. Mine is one that I I totally didn't think I was going to enjoy, and I I think I just picked it as a f- kind of a fun silly movie to watch, and I really actually enjoyed it. And I I'm not sure how you'll feel about it, Ian because it, it's it's definitely a British film. What did you think? Did you see Kingsman? The the first or second? The first one. I, I've seen the first. I've not seen the second one. I've not seen the second one either. I'm in no rush to, if I'm honest. Did, no, what, um, what were your, did, you, did you enjoy the first one? I like, I like the concept. I'm really curious about, and I'm not a comic book reader at all, but I'm very curious about what the comic books look like. The thing that lets the film down for me is how much time they spend telling you it's not a Bond film rather than doing their own thing. And they, uh, yeah, they do do their own thing a little bit, but the the unnecessary references to how they're not Bond, the, there's, there's subtle things. It's just, okay, yeah, I get that you're not Bond. Just stop talking about it and get on with the movie. I guess that didn't, that didn't bug me. No? I was, I... Well, I, there, there are sequences I really enjoyed. The church sequence, the ridiculously over-the-top violent yeah. church sequence. Well, and that, that scene in particular... Maybe maybe go like this could easily have been a PG thirteen movie, right? You you tone down the violence in that scene because before, there's not really there's no nudity, I don't think. A few honestly, a few minor tweaks, and this could have been one of those. We're gonna anybody can see this movie, right? Be, well, it be, seems like a lot of action sequences are shot like that nowadays to save money on on squibs and uh, well, sure, blood but, packets but and things like that. But, you just you throw yeah. the blood in CGI now. I, anyways, I I, I, I the, the the scene in the church is I also really enjoyed and I I it, I just feel like they could have taken the safe way and done a PG-13, but I'm glad they went R and they just kept it the way that it was. Anyway, and, and if you haven't seen it, the Kingsmen basically there's this elite group of British Secret Service esque um, officers who go on these pretty epic missions and uh, they exist in secrecy. And right, right early on in the beginning of the movie, um, one of them is killed in a mission and saves Colin Firth's life. Colin Firth goes to tell his wife and his son that, that this guy has died. And um, we find out later that the wife and the son are in this interesting relationship that she's remarried and with a not great guy. And he's kind of a troubled kid, but he's smart. 
lo and behold, he ends up going in this training program to become a Kingsman. And as the training is going on, Sam Jackson plays this ridiculous Why billionaire lisp? philanthropist lisp, lisp character for no reason. For no than... reason. But that's uh, that was part of the the ridiculousness yeah, yeah. of it. it. And it 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 doesn't take itself too seriously, which yeah. is what I think leads this to be an enjoyable film. There are a lot of action sequences in it. I I do like the training stuff. It's just kind of a fun, cheeky movie to watch. It's it's violent. It's funny. It's it was a great. Molson and I I think uh, shared a bottle uh, a bottle of wine and and a popcorn and just enjoyed the hell out. It was it yeah. was a fun movie night. Although uh, it is the definition of a popcorn. Yeah, film. yeah. Oscar worthy. It is not, but not every film was meant for that. And this was a very enjoyable. Not not even not, not even bad enjoyable. Like I straight up enjoyed my time watching that movie. I, oh, Taron Edgerton. He's the lead. Am I remembering his name right? I, I couldn't tell. Hey, you. He's fantastic in it. Yeah. I think he's got a. I think he's got a ton of potential. Yeah. It. I, I know it was different. Different stories. Different characters. But it reminded me a lot of Baby Driver, mm. in the sense that it was kind of over the top, fun, quick cutting, quick editing. I mean, less less violence. I think Baby Driver is more about the boosting of cars and stuff. It's more style. It well, is. Yeah. No. No. It's more. I it's would more say it's balletic. More, yeah. 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 Um, but in the same kind of way that I had fun with all the the music and the quick cuts, and it was yeah. you know I'm not watching anything that's gonna go over my head. I was right yeah. with it, enjoying it the whole time, and it was a fun it was a fun actiony movie to watch. Ian, what about you? So I have something from about 2009. I think this came out, and this is not my first time seeing it, but I certainly I haven't seen it in the 10 years since it came out, and so it was fun to kind of revisit it. Uh, Pandorum. With Dennis Quaid and uh, Ben Foster. Okay. Uh, ben Foster made a huge impression a couple of years before this when he starred as the uh, Charlie character, the, the little bit of a psychopath in 310 to Yuma. Yeah. I think that's where he really made his name and then a couple of years later followed up with this. This is an interesting little sci-fi horror film. It takes a lot from something like Event Horizon, yeah. a lot from Alien. I mean, any of those close quarters... You know, stranded spaceship, you know, and there are monsters running down the tight corridors and there's a lot of claustrophobia. So the thing that disappoints me about Pandorum, I mean, it is very B-movie and there's a lot of the a lot of the, the sort of sci-fi tropes about it. But there is, it does do some interesting psychological stuff as well, especially when it comes to the reveal about the Dennis Quaid character's motivations and his backstory. What disappoints me the most about this film is that it was planned as a trilogy. Oh, okay, and now have you have you seen it? No, I haven't. Okay, so I remember, uh, I remember seeing like trailers, and I remember it's it being very stylistic. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got a, a great. Like I said, I mean, it owes a lot to Alien and and Giger, the the guy who designed. Yeah, it, pretty much designed Alien. But the end. So the the whole point of the film is that we are reaching a population flatline, and we're sending out ships and probes and things like that to find other planets, other inhabitable planets. We find one. Uh, Tannis, I think, is is what it's named. And uh, so there's this ship, the Elysium, uh, which has been sent out with... You find out that it is, you know, it's got tens of thousands of people on it. It's essentially an ark. It's got the, the, the... And they tell you right at the beginning, Earth is gone. There, There's nothing left. You are all that is left of humanity. And the, the a man wakes up, the Ben Foster character wakes up, and then the Dennis Quaid character 
ultimately wakes up as well, and so it's about them. They're on, the ship is essentially dead in the water as far as they know, which is a uh, which is actually quite, the, and I'll, I'll spoil the movie because I want to talk about where this trilogy could have gone. Okay. Uh, it, it is quite literally dead in the water after they go through everything and finding the monsters and getting to the reactor, which is what they need to do to essentially jumpstart the ship back to life. Uh, they find out that the Dennis Quaid character got what they call Pandorum, which is going insane. The, their version of... of uh, uh, like cabin fever and going insane and so he essentially sabotaged the ship and is having you know hallucinations of his younger self talking to him and taunting him and things like that anyway the ship is i say dead in the water because they've they're on the planet they're on tannis and they've been there and they've been there for the better part of a millennium i think when the ship comes back to life and it starts reading off it starts catching up and reading off the number of years that you know the mission, the, you know, the the mission log. They've been there for 923 years, and so they end up escaping. And there's a few, there's about 1,200 people left alive, and so they're able to. They overcome the Dennis Quaid character. Uh, they end up cracking the hull, and the ship floods, and then emergency evacuates everybody else, and they fly out in the pods, landing in the sea of this planet next to a large landmass. And the film ends with a great tracking shot pulling up out of the planet and we see a very earth-like planet with a couple of moons around it and it says tannis year one so the this film is a great little sci-fi horror but if you've planned a trilogy of films you could literally do anything with that you've created a blank slate for your next two films and i am so disappointed that we don't get to see and probably never will get to see where this goes it's, it's, it's a shame that, like I said, they planned a trilogy, this one underperformed, and so there was no, you know, the studio don't, didn't want to carry on and make the other two films. Yeah. But what a, what a great first film in a planned trilogy. Like I said, that, what a, you could do anything with that. Yeah. It's, I, mean, it's, I mean, you're just, it sounds good. You made, you made it sound very interesting. I, I, like, I mean, it's, it fails in some certain character development parts, and there, you know, he meets some people along the way, which you may or may not care about. There's a cook character that has gone insane and is planning on using them as bait. Hey, as long as it's not played by LL Cool J, I am fine. It, it, it's not great. It's not good. I think that's a, th- a callback to him playing a cook in Deep Blue Sea yeah. that we mentioned a few episodes back. Yeah, 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 yeah. perfect. But no, I I would recommend tracking down Pandorum because it is. Like I said, it owes a lot to other similar films, but it is very unique in its vision and the the unknown vision of where it could have gone. I mean, not, and not all movies like that are succeed. You know, I mean, Alien stands out. No, um, and you mentioned Event Horizon, which is well, it's great. actually it's produced by Paul W S Anderson, who directed Event Horizon. Yep, yep, yep. That's a good movie. That's yeah. a good movie. Well, and again, that's another film that we'll never ever get to see his original version of it. The the studio were so disgusted by the original longer version oh, that man. none of that footage exists i didn't know i didn't know that yeah there was oh, a much man. longer much more violent nc7 it would have just gotten an nc17 oh and i'm sure too because the way that movie goes oh you yeah. could yeah what everybody sees yeah oh, could have been that, really that, messed up like like the footage of melissa's uh, never seen it i oh, cannot wait oh, to make her watch i know treat. and she likes scary stuff i, I yeah we just she's in it. for a treat yeah she really is and, and and it makes me think of all the, the the great 
footage that we'll never find, like all the like cruising, we'll never ever see the full length version of cruising. All yeah. that footage is gone. There's a film in the book which disappoints me to no end because uh, even the truncated version you was only ever released on VHS and shown a couple times on TV. Uh, Greed. You've mentioned that before. Yeah. We'll never, unfortunately, we will never get to do a thousand and one episodes because I don't think we'll ever find a copy of Greed. Well, we'll see what we can do. Absolutely. I think we should get Criterion on that. Uh, Well, we're not talking about uh, Greed today, but we are talking about a, I think the definition of a classic film and as hard as a, as a movie as it is to watch, I think it's also uh, a hopeful movie. And I think what a great way to start out this new year uh, than talking about John Ford's classic film, The Grapes of Wrath. Uh, we put this out in a poll not too long ago. Uh, we put two John Ford films up against each other. They came out in back-to-back years. So you voted between Stagecoach and The Grapes of Wrath and... Here we are recording the grapes of wrath. The so, grapes of wrath. So thank you for that. Thank you to everybody who voted. Yeah. Um, so yeah, directed by John Ford, written by, and I, I don't know how Nunnally. How would you say that? Uh, Nunnally Johnson. Yeah, Nunnally. Okay, Nunnally Johnson. Well, um, here's a. You've mentioned before that you're a big fan of the Dirty Dozen. Yeah. Nunnally Johnson wrote that. Lovely, lovely. There you go. Awesome. Yeah. Well, and that that was based off of true events. Yeah, I believe yeah. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but of course, this is based off of uh, John Steinbeck's groundbreaking novel that came out just a few years before. Before we get into it, did you ever read *Grapes of Wrath*? Somehow I missed that one. It seems it's one of those books that is all you, you're made to in school. You're made to, I, you're made to read stuff. I read *Of Mice and Men*, but yeah. I never read *Grapes of Wrath*. *Fahrenheit 451* is another one that I remember. That's yeah. that's Steinbeck. No, that's not Steinbeck. Oh, just but oh, as, as far oh, gotcha. as as far as classics that like, they I was always. Pretty sure that's no, no, no. As far as classics that you're always meant to read exactly, in, in high yeah. school or whatever like that. You, you, Grapes of Wrath is one of the ones that that instantly comes to mind, but it certainly was never a part of any curriculum that I took. I yeah. mean, I didn't said Fahrenheit. Any. Fahrenheit 451 was, and so was mm-hmm. Catcher in the Rye and other stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Some, it, somehow, and I'm disappointed after having seen the movie and done the research that I've done on Grapes of Wrath. I'm disappointed that I missed that book. I I do want to actively. Yeah. Seek that out now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cast is is great, um, and I didn't write down everybody because there's a lot. But Henry Fonda, of course, as Tom, Jane Darwell as Ma, John Carradine as Jim Casey, or I, I just like refer to him as the preacher. Doris Bowden as Rosa Sharon, and Russell Simpson was Pa. Uh, anybody else that you wanted to call out by name? Well, just John Carradine. I wanted to to pause on him. He is perhaps the most prolific actor in film history on imdb he has 351 credits <laughs> wow probably the hardest working actor in history the only other person that even comes close to my mind well i i i instantly thought rod steiger because they they say that you can if you do the six degrees of separation you can link anybody to rod steiger ah, okay though he as far as i remember only has about 150 credits on oh, imdb oh okay the other big prolific one for me is a, is a favorite of mine christopher lee christopher yeah, oh, lee yeah. has a somewhere in the neck of the woods of 280 yeah and uh and of course they're they're famous for they both played dracula and uh in my research of connect I, I wondered to myself having made so many films between them were they ever in a film together yeah and they certainly were. Oh, there you go. In 1983, they made a film. It almost sounds like it's an anthology film, kind of a horror comedy called House of Long Shadows. And this film, I am definitely going to track this down and watch it. It has John Carradine, 
Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, oh my God. and Vincent Price. So <laughs> you talk about the biggest names in horror of their generation. The only thing that would make it complete is if Bella Lugosi and uh, who played Frankenstein? Help me out here. Oh, um, the original James Whale Frankenstein. Oh, see that that the director was coming to mind. I can't think of Why Boris Karloff. Boris Karloff. Thank you. Okay. The only thing that would make that film any more prolific is if those two men were still alive. <laughs> you know, you would have the absolute powerhouse of horror right there. Those four names, enough for alone to yeah. make me want to seek it out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that's funny. So, John Ford is in this book a lot. Give me a second, and I'll read you all the films that he's done that are in this book. Um, Stagecoach, which was in 1939. Graves of Wrath, which was in 1940. How Green Was My Valley in 41. My Darling Clementine in 46. Rio Grande in 50. The Quiet Man in 52. The Searchers, which I really do like, in 56. And The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance in 1962. Now, that of all the films you've listed on there, that last one is the one I've heard the most mixed reviews about. That's uh, Jimmy Stewart, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That'll be yeah. I I don't I know of it. I've heard Lee Marvin I, and and uh, I've heard it's long as hell. Oh well, yeah, that yeah. happens sometimes. Stats, but like like painfully long. Oh really? I mean. Not just in runtime, but it, you feel every oh, you gotcha. feel every minute gotcha. of it is okay. what I was okay. told a few years ago by somebody. Well, we'll get to it. Yeah. Um, stats. I mean, uh, the Academy Awards. It was nominated for a bunch. Uh, nominated for picture. It lost to Hitchcock's Rebecca, but one. John Ford Best Director, the second year in a row that he won. Um, he was the first director to win back-to-back years for directing because he won prior for Stagecoach. You being the Oscar expert that you are, who else has done it? Back-to-back? Yeah. I'm going to say his name wrong because I was Inaritu did. Oh, that's Inaritu, I yes. think it is. Yeah. Uh, for Revenant and Birdman. Yes. 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 Yeah. There we go. So that's quite the gap. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Henry Fonda was nominated. Now, I, this was interesting. So Henry Fonda was nominated for Best Actor, and he lost to, I believe it was Jimmy Stewart for The Philadelphia Story. Yes. And people were saying that that was a makeup for the year before when Jimmy Stewart lost for, for Mr. Mr. Smith, Smith Goes to Washington, which is interesting. Just even, even going back that far, that it seemed to still be a game of politics sometimes, of oh, makeup yeah. Oscars yeah, and whatever. Yeah. Jane Darwell won Best Supporting Actress as Ma, and I she is so great in this I, movie. I can't argue that. Lost Adapted Screenplay, uh, was also up for editing and sound. Was I think it actually won the National Board of Review for Best Film. And their acting awards work differently back then. It's not like it is now where you have Best Actor or Best Actress. They just listed out performances that stood out. Yeah. And so um, Henry Fonda and Jane Darwell both won uh, National Board of Review Awards for that. New York Film Critics gave it Best Film and Best Director. It is currently number 23 on the AFI's Top 100. It, it was 21 Previously. in the prior year. Yeah. And Ian, was this film... Uh, was this film? Is this film in the National Film Registry? It is one of the first twenty-five films yes. inducted into the National Film Registry when that was created in nineteen eighty-nine. Yes, it is currently two twenty-one on the IMDb two fifty. I think that is is. It's, I don't think it's high enough. I think it should be higher. I'm okay where the where it is. Okay, Rotten Tomatoes, hundred percent. Yep, eighty-eight percent. Um, audience. I think I, I'm guessing it's there because it's not the most lighthearted movie to watch sure would be my guess but I don't know and, and you have a lot of purists who say it's not the novel you know what I mean that is uh, that is the weakest argument 
for me and when also, somebody hates on a film. I'm going to get on a little bit of a soapbox. Do it. When somebody says to me, oh, it's not, it's, it's not the novel, and they dismiss it almost instantly like that, well, my answer to them is yes. It's a different medium. So there are times what do you want? There are times where it's egregious and we're not to that episode yet, but Forrest Gump is a prime example of oh, yeah. of how they butchered butchered the book. Sure. Have you read the book? I haven't, but I, I know oh, I, I know I know many of the comparisons. Yeah, it's it yeah, anyways. But this is pretty faithful actually. I feel like they, they switched a couple of scenes of how they came in. Well, I feel like it could have been more faithful, but that isn't anything to do with the filmmakers. I'm sure John Ford would have stuck to the letter of the land had it not been for it being 1940 and having the same sort of censorship. Sure, yes, And the exactly. same sort of feelings about communism yeah. that were rampant in those days. But yeah. we, can, we can get into that later. Yes. It was hard to find original reviews, and I don't necessarily have anything that I want to specifically read. Needless to say that most, most people really enjoyed this movie. Yeah. We mentioned this guy a couple times, but Bosley Crowther. Oh, here he New comes York again. Times, um, before he passed, he had, he would, he had retired from um, from film criticism, but before he passed, I don't know where it was, but he, this was on his top 50 films of all time. Oh, was, sort of in the same sort of thing that Roger Ebert did with his great yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. This was up there in, in the movies that he truly appreciated. So Ian and I were talking right before the, we recorded this, and not just because the movie's been around forever and because it's also a book, but there's not a huge plot to Grapes of Wrath. And I don't mean that as an insult. It's it's pretty simple. Um, yeah. It's, it's, the Jodes for most have, of it, it's a road film. Yeah. The Jodes have been forced off of their land. They hear that there's work in California, so they sell most of their stuff. They pack up everything onto this truck, and they start the cross-country journey to, to get to California. And so w- what, I, what I was thinking we would just do is is just go through and pick out the moments that stuck with us the most. Well, instantly, straight off the bat, I love the way that Henry Fonda pronounces the homicide. 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 Yeah, yeah. That's a good. That's, that's a good great. And I, I love how because th- this is a there's a, a callback to it later in the film where Ma asks him not don't get angry. Don't get. I, so, I know that going to prison it can change a man and it can make him hard and it can make him angry. Yeah. And he very he almost instantly he's like he's looking for a fight with that tar- truck driver. He's like he's he's almost trying to pick a foot. Like yeah, ask me, yeah. ask me why I'm in prison, yeah. kind of thing. Like he, there's there are, there are strains of it, and I wonder how much more of that is in the novel. Not having read it, sure. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, I thought I thought you were gonna mention when she says like don't don't get mad. Or don't get mean mad. Yeah, I like that, that. Well, that and that's yeah. exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. And he is. He he seems. He definitely seems hardened. And coming home and seeing the way things are, that softens him. It's it's a. It's, it's a big blow to him how much has changed in so little time. Because he's only in prison for four years. I think he got seven years, six or seven years, yeah, and he gets out on parole. Yep. And everybody thinks, I, I love the way that yeah. you can't, can't keep a Jode in prison. Did yeah. you bust out? Everybody asks him, did you bust out? Like well, they would be proud of him if he busted out. And the other thing I noticed was that they really, they're, and later on they say that they're not the kissing kind, but he shakes their hands. He's not even hugging them. Yeah. His, he, his mom, he, he doesn't hug her. It's everybody gets a handshake, which is great because he he kisses his dad on the forehead when before he, he leaves. Yes. Yeah, we're gonna dive all over this. Yeah. Oh no, I know yeah. we are, but it's just it is it's interesting how I mean they care they're family, but it's yeah. it's a different kind of family. It's yeah. not that they love each other any less because yes. they very clearly do. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, John John Carradine uh, as as Casey, 
I, I want to say that Carradine is the best performance in this film, but I feel like that's a, a great disservice to, to Fonda and to, to Darwell. Yeah. All three of them do. I, and I haven't seen anything other that, that, that Carradine has been in, and I haven't seen anything else that Darwell has been in, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is probably the best work of their careers. Well, so respectively. there's a great bit about... So, so Jan Darwell wins Best Supporting Actress, and in her speech says that because so uh, people thought that Grapes of Wrath was going to win Best Picture that year, but it came out so early in the year that it lost steam, which, mm. again, in the realm of the Oscar world, still kind of prevalent today. Most Oscar yeah. winners come out between October and December. Yeah, no, if you come out before August, forget about exactly. it. Exactly. And so uh, and Rebecca came out later, and so there was this whole thing that it had the steam going into yeah, voting. Yeah, yeah. Grapes of Wrath comes out early in the year, and in her acceptance speech, she says, I only have only worked five weeks since this movie ended. And she did not get a lot of work. Yeah. After, I mean, after the movie and even after her win, she got some, but she didn't do a lot more after mm. this movie, which is unfortunate. Yeah. No, because she is a tremendous talent. Yeah. Uh, sorry, that was kind of I was kind of derailing that, but yeah, no, no, I, no, yeah. No. But I, 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 I never, I haven't seen anything else she's done or or John Carradine. I'm yeah. more familiar with. But he is, he's he's wonderful. I I feel for him instantly as this preacher that has lost his way. He kind of makes a very subtle reference to a weakness for women. Yeah. I, is it a weakness for women, or is he taking advantage of these women? I don't get the feeling that he's malicious. I don't. I don't, I don't it's feel mal- that he has malicious intent. I, I don't know. I, I see. I, I I think he does, and I think that's what makes his his transformation. Maybe all I want to see the, the bigger. Maybe I want to see the best in him. I don't know. Well, it's hard because it's not in, and I haven't read the book, so I, I I don't know exactly. But it's. You know how he would preach, and they would they would listen, and and they were vulnerable, and they were mm. it's 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 not explicit. So that's no. where that that ambiguity is. That's where you live in, and 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 you took it one way, and I took it another. Yeah. But ultimately, yeah, he there was something with women. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And he talks about uh, what does he say? Oh, I got the, the the line I really like is this factory liquor. It cost me a buck or something. like Yeah. That. <laughs> oh, man, I wish liquor still cost a buck. <laughs> so we go into the Jotes house, and it's empty. Uh, but we meet Muley. Yes. Who's stayed behind because his family has left because they, they've gone through the same exact thing. Right. And Muley gives this, basically tells Tom what's happened to his his land. Right. Well, he, he's, he's the, he, he sets the plot in motion, yes, essentially. Yeah. And, you know, we hear that, you know, it's, it, it's more cost effective to use these machines and sharecroppers are being moved off of the land. Well, and the, yeah, and the Dust Bowl is... Yes, it's, been, it's yep. made everything hard. He has this line about you know not being able to make as much as it is, and he, he talks about how the kids aren't eating like they 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 don't they they're not eating enough as it is. And he said, "We'd be ashamed if every other kid didn't look the same," and it's just heartbreaking. There's yeah. so many lines. There's so many stuff, and especially the stuff with the kids, just kids in general in this movie that you you hear it and it just if you have any any heart at all, it just kills you. Yeah. Uh, well, and it leads into one of my two favorite shots in the film is the 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 cat the the caterpillar tractor destroying their house, and then it pans down to their three shadows. Yep, you you don't need to see their faces. You you do see their faces, but then yeah. it, it pans down away just to the three shadows looking at this destruction of their their home and their livelihood just gone. Well, and the continuation of that shot, yeah, it just keeps going. It's yeah. leveled the house and. At least in my mind, what you see is like that—that that tractor is going to the next 
house. Yeah, it's going just... to the next house to knock down. Yeah. And it's just, oh, it's so devastating yeah. to watch. Yeah. And the confrontation between him and the, the man driving the tractor. Oh, how can you do this to your own? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He recognizes him. That's yeah, yeah. tough. Yeah. Or even before with the the guy in the car, fancy car saying, you know, basically telling them they have to go. And who, who are we going to, well, who can we shoot? They're trying to figure out, you know, who who's to blame. And yeah. when Muley's breakdown, you know, we're living on it and, and dying, we're dying on, on it. it. Oh, yeah. God. It, yeah. It just, and, and you can kind of see why he's. He gets down on his haunches and he picks up the dirt. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, I, and I definitely wouldn't say, when they cut back to him talking to Tom, he's not crazy, but he's certainly, he's lost a grip of reality that, that. You know, now he's just living wherever he's he's barely getting by, and he's, yeah. le- he's basically his family's left without him. And well, his loyalty to the land and yeah. to the legacy it will uh, he'll it'll kill him. He will starve to death. Yeah, on that land. What do you think about that uh, that truck, the jalopy? Yeah. Uh, well, that that leads into a, a, a line that I like. The uh, when they stop, I think they they stop. Oh, sorry, and I'm going to jump ahead a little oh, bit. Oh, that's fine. They stop that's fine. At, the, at the Colorado River just before crossing into California, and there's the gas station attendants talking about they got some nerve crossing the desert in a jalopy like that. And the, the line that killed me was, Oki's got no sense. Ugh. No human being could live that miserable. Yeah. Jesus Christ, man. Where's the, the, the milk of human kindness? And do you know what the, the, little, the little icing on the cake that just pisses me off yeah. is that they're chewing gum, and they... They throw their wrappers on the ground. Did you notice that? They just yeah, kind of take it out and they just toss it. Like, yeah, you they do suck. Those yeah. two guys suck a lot. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you asked me how I feel about the jalopy. Yeah. That, that's a death trap. Dude, I was so Well, there's, so a, there's a shot. I think there's a shot, again, at that same crossing of the Colorado River where it looks like it's about <laughs> to go. And I'm kind of wondering, is that an accident? Yeah. That seems to me like something they didn't plan. So, I, I, I usually I bring this up at the beginning, but what was your familiarity with this movie? Had you seen it before? I had not seen it. Okay. This, I, so, this is the second time I'd seen it. And I, the first time I'd seen it was fairly recently, maybe about six months ago. Yeah. And, um, but still, man, even though I'd seen it, watching them in that car, I, I and I know where it's going, but I was still so anxious. Yeah. I was so anxious when they were in that yeah. that. that way overloaded truck. It, yep. Yeah, it made me really nervous. I will say one of the best scenes is followed by, I think, one of the scenes that I would have cut instantly Okay. to, to kind of get the length down because it is a little long sure. in its current form. Uh, the scene where Ma is going through the mementos yeah. and burning the stuff that, oh. you know, that she just can't carry. Yeah. She's looking at the earrings that's, that is wonderful, but then it's undercut by Grandpa kind of being a dick. Yes. Oh, okay. I was like, what, like what he's you so like, yes. ex- He's so excited. Like, he's talking when we first meet. He's like, oh, I'm going to get myself in a bathtub full of full of grapes, and I'm just going to sit around and squish in all the... I'm going to yeah. take a bath in all the, the grape juice and whatever, and then he's just being a total dick, and he's going to stay, and he, like, slows it up, so they got to drug his coffee. I'm like, what is, well, the, what is the point of this, especially when you're going to kill him, like, exactly, 30 seconds exa- later? That, that's a good point. He dies almost instantly. He doesn't make it very far on the trip. That's a great point. Which makes point. me wonder how much of the drug they put in his coffee. Because <laughs> he seems like a boisterous, because he goes, he does the opposite of Grandpa Joe in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factories, you know what I mean? He goes from being, you know, this, like, happy-go-lucky, oh, look at old Grandpa, he's going to live forever. Look oh, at his spirit. So well, no, look at his spirit through all of this. He's so excited to go out California way. Yep. Which, which speaking of, 
of Going Out California Way, all the great parodies of this film. Are you thinking of South Park? I'm thinking of the South Park okay. episode. Where we got to go get those internets. Yep. I hear those internets out there in yep. California Way. There's even a, an episode of one of my favorite British uh, sitcoms called Black Books with uh, a great Irish comedian, Dylan Moran. Uh, where they do a kind of Grapes of Wrath thing, but which has absolutely nothing to do with the plot of Grapes of Wrath. They yeah. just kind of, the grapes of, of, the literal Grapes of Wrath are kind of a plot device. Anyway, I won't go into that long tangent, but it's, it's a great episode. I think it's in the first season yeah. of Black Books. Anyway, but yeah, the, the grandpa the grandpa thing, honestly, especially if you're going to kill him that quickly, that scene for me would have just gone. Dude, that's a great point. That's very true. Because yeah. I, I remember thinking that too. Like, I get, I mean... I, I kind of get what's going on. And then, yeah, he dies so quick. Yeah. And I think it's even more... Because, yeah, at that point, you're kind of you're kind of frustrated with, with him. A little bit. Like, let's do... At this point in the movie, we just want to get on the road. Yeah, exactly. It's it's the same problem that I have with the Redux version of Apocalypse Now. Like, we, we're going into... The, we're steamrolling Oof. into the third act. And we just want to get to Kurtz. But then we stop at the French Plantation for, like, 20 minutes. It's, it is brutal. Brutal. Yeah. And then you have the scene with, which I think is one of the showcases for how good John Carradine is, where they ask him to say a few words. Like, no no Joe has ever been yeah. buried without having something said, and so yeah. they kind of coerce him into say, even though he's lost his faith and he doesn't do this anymore. And he said, I, I, he's all right. He's got no worries. I'd be praying for the living who don't know where to turn. Yeah. That, that's good. Yeah. That's really good writing. There are two scenes, they're almost back-to-back, and they're, and they're fairly extended, but they might be, if I had to pick them between the two of them, and favorite is not is kind of the wrong word because they're hard, they're hard scenes to watch, but, so there's, I think it's the, I think it's the first night they camp somewhere. Oh, you're talking about the man with the, yeah. the who's going back and, the other way. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So so Connie's playing the guitar. Who's a real dirtbag? We find out later. Yeah. Um. But he's got a smooth voice. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so not really. They're talking about you know where you're going. Oh, we're going to California. And the one guy's California, huh? And he's, what well, you know? And what, what do you got? And they, they show him the flyer. And yeah. And and here's the thing too. As as, you know, confrontational as the guy is, the point he's making is. Pretty factual, you know. Yeah. Oh, they need two thousand men, so they print five thousand flyers. Maybe twenty thousand people see it, and this many people come. They they do that on purpose so that you know where yeah. you're getting you. You make sure you get the people. And he says, "I'm going back." And I think the guy who probably runs that camp is like, "Are you an agitator?" And he's like, "No, I'm trying to tell them what it took me, yeah. losing my wife and my kids." And then his speech, which I didn't write down, but it is so. Well, he talks about the kids dying of heart failure. With their swollen up bellies. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, and the guy asking mm. him if he's an agitator. This is again another one of the films where one one of the the things about the film where it shies away from current events because I know uh, is it Zanuck? Zanuck produced this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was afraid of being labeled as a communist agitator, which I mean he had to testify in the McCarthy trials anyway because of yeah. this film. Is they don't ever come out and really. I think they mentioned the word red once later in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but he and again, this is the thing that that kind of irritates me about the film a little bit, and I I, I can't really blame him because I get that it was the time and the place, but they'd never come out and actually really talk about labor unions, and they never really talk about red agitation and fear of communism and things like that for yeah. f- for fear of being labeled as agitators themselves. Yeah, which I mean, time 
time told that they would be anyway it's a shame they didn't know that in advance so they can just go okay well let's be even more faithful and let's call this what it is yeah it, it, that for me lets the film down for me and I I'll just come out and say that I was honestly I'm underwhelmed by it I mean, not not with any of the very real emotional human scenes but with the film as a whole and and, and with it thematically that's yeah i mean i guess it didn't bother me that there was nothing specific about it because i feel like when they end up at i can't remember the name of the the farm that they're at oh i oh do you got it the the wheat patch camp which is run by the department of agriculture no 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 not that one the the place where they're picking peaches and it's the it's it's the place where john oh, the keen the keen farm yes yes well they don't specifically say anything about the labor unions you know, it's, it's hinted at. Yes, with the John Kerry because he has disappeared at this point. Well, yeah, the whole thing about you know how we're pick, we're getting five what was it five cents a, but soon it'll be two, it'll and, be two and, and a half. half. Yeah. yeah, and I know that's not exactly the same thing, but I think I think they do a good job of bringing it up in a way yeah. that I mean, yeah, I guess I I just wasn't as affected by it. Right, as, but from what uh, I've yeah. read, the the book was far more specific. John Steinbeck said that the whole point of the novel was to stick it to those greedy bastards. Yeah. Apparently, the state of California was not a huge fan of this book. No. And didn't really want any part of the, the filming of it. Right. And it's funny because, yeah, and you brought up Zanuck and, and Ford, and they weren't, you know, they were pretty conservative people, and it was kind of funny that these two were the ones making this movie. Right. But it was, it was I was surprised and glad to hear that Zanuck, you know, after reading the book, sent out investigators to see how the right, camps were. He, he didn't buy it. And, and yeah. what, what he got back was actually, if anything, the book toned it down. Yeah. Which was which I think prompted him to be like, yes, let's make this movie. Then. Yeah, yeah. It, it was like the fuel that ignited that fire to get it made. Yeah, the other scene—it's right after. Um, it's I think it's right after the scene um, with the guy telling the story about his kids and his wife, is when they go to the gas station to try to buy a loaf of bread. Yes, you know the waitress is immediately kind of cold. Yeah, because again, it's those okies. Yeah, right? and. Uh, and we got we got plenty of sandwiches, and you know well, we can't afford sandwiches. We need you know a loaf of bread, and we gotta we get the water so we can so grandma can eat it because she can't really chew. Yeah. And then the the guy behind the counter, you know, just just give him the bread, and then you know it's ten or yeah, it's it, it's not it's twelve cent loaf, and they only have a dime or something. Yeah. And, well, the, it's the bit with the kids that kills me. Yeah, that part too. Where like are those penny candies? And, he, and the one guy sat at the bar goes... Well, no, oh, first she goes there, she goes there too for a penny. Yeah. Oh, we'll take two. And then the guy's like, those, those are five-cent candies. And Yeah. Yeah, well, what business of it is yours? You yeah. Know I mean? And then when they leave, the truckers, they they obviously leave more than what their stuff cost. Yeah. It's it's this interesting scene of, of trying to pay it forward, but not quite doing it the right You're way. You're not paying it forward to the right people, Yeah, I think. Because even, cause even the guy behind the counter is like, it's day-old bread. After they go, it's like, it doesn't just sell it to them. It's, yeah. you know. The, the, uh, but I do, yeah, I love I love that. And the kids aren't even, they're not greedy. They're no. just looking. They, they're not asking. No. And and Pa is just, you know, he's like, you know, how much are them? And, and I guarantee if they if she had said they're five-cent candies, they would have left and it would have been fine. Yeah. You know, but you probably made those kids weak yeah. by by letting that happen. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's again, it's another really nice, you know, kind of heart-wrenching scene in, in, in two different ways. You know, it's you don't know how it's going to go, and yeah, that, that's, that scene stuck with me a lot, yeah. too. Oh, one thing that, honestly, I, I didn't notice, and I guess was a big deal, is uh, disappearing characters. 
Yeah, there's no explanation for why Noah isn't there anymore, which I Noah is, I'm assuming, Tom's like younger brother or a cousin or something. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, they never really say, they never really break down the family tree at yeah. all to tell you exactly who, and who the kids are. Are the kids, like, are they little cousins? Like, are they nieces, nephews? Like, yeah, who are it, they? it's tough because I, you want to think... And it, and it doesn't really matter. No, well, yeah, sure. But, you know, if, if they're Pa and Ma's, then, you know, those kids are pretty young. And Yeah, good on you. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> oh, old Ma still got it. Oh, God. Okay, yeah. So then they get, then they get to the other... Or it's, I, I'm not sure... No, it's before or after. But there's the other, there's the other camp where the kids... Are watching Ma make the stew. Yeah, that is. I think that's the hardest moment for me. Yeah, and then they. She says, "You guys, you can have what's left," and they all go rush into that garbage pile to yeah. find whatever tin can they can to, to hold. Man, and yeah. then oh, and then and then and then we get more crazy ass cops. Yes. Oh my God, the line. Those what a 40, mess those forty fives make. I, and again, I'd seen this movie fairly recently before the podcast, but like I stood up. And, like just, I can picture that. So angry. Yeah, you want to take that forty-five away from him and beat him to death with it. God, it's just such a. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It, it's it's clear that the cops and 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 people on on the coast who didn't don't know what those people are going through clearly see them as less than human. Yeah, absolutely. And well, that's what the film is all about. It's about dehumanization. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's just in in. You know, and maybe it's, it's kind of, it's, it's weird to say, you know, being two white guys talking about a movie about white people and, and yet, you know, African Americans and Hispanics now and, and, and just our history with, with that anyway, in terms of how the others have been valued over time as less than human. Well, there is such a thing as self-racism. Sure. Oh, sure. We we dealt with that in the Boys in the Hood episode. Yeah, that's yeah. true. It's just it's it's that everybody everybody has struggled throughout time, and, and I'm not trying to make this about about race or anything, but just you know. But it is a theme in the movie, even if yeah. it's one that's not dwelt on for very long. Yeah. yeah, just tough, you know, watching people look at other human beings and think. That or it, well, it's just... more of a, I guess it's more of a geographical racism than anything else. Sure. Because we're from the land of milk and honey, you know, we're from California, where the orange groves stretch farther than the eyes can see, and, you know, you're from the poor Dust Bowl, backwards ass. I I didn't realize, Oklahoma that that Okies didn't just apply to people from Oklahoma. Well, no, it's, again, it's one of those racist, broad generalizations. Yeah. I do, I do really love how they, when they're at the, when they're at the Department of Agricultural camp. And they finally meet the one guy that's going to treat them right. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, for me, I'm like, oh, yes, there's finally some hope yeah. come into this thing. Yeah. And then he talks about how the cops can't get in here unless there's agitation. Yes. And uh, the way that they stifle the riot yeah. is so great. Yeah. Uh, it's just so quick and slick and they were ready for it. And I, yeah, I love the way that was handled. It was handled so professionally. Yeah. We skipped over Casey's murder. Right. So we see, we see that thing that Ma talks about don't don't get mean mad yeah. where he but really it's self-defense more than anything else yeah I, yeah i mean it's it's de- well in the same way that the what he was sent to prison for originally i mean he's he's now caught in another situation where it's self-defense because he talks about the man that he killed that he stoved his head in with a shovel the one the man had stabbed him yeah 
So it was self-defense in the same way that he is just protecting Casey. Yeah, was it? I don't know if it was self-defense because because the the cop recognizes Casey because Casey's yeah. the ag- he's the lead guy, he's right? The so he, but they're clearly going to use lethal force. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't all I'm saying is that Tom Tom wasn't hit first, right? Casey was hit, and then he takes the thing and then yeah, caves in the cop's skull. I'm assuming, and then yeah. yeah. Part of the reason why I wonder if Fonda didn't get the Oscar is because of sensibilities back then. He's shown murdering somebody. I wonder how that played with... And not just because of the film came out much, much earlier in the year, but maybe that sure. had something to do with it as well. That's possible. Do you have a favorite scene? I don't have favorite scenes. I have... Well, I guess maybe the the scene with the kids around the, the pot of stew is, is probably the most poignant scene for me. I don't know if it's a favorite scene, but I have, I have favorite shots... Like I said, the panning down to the shadows. Of, yeah, that's a good. That is of Muley's family watching their homestead destroyed, and then the other one is the. It's such a simple one, but them going through waiting until it's it's nightfall to go through the desert because otherwise you wouldn't survive it. That that kind of heat, and it's their three faces looking out at a landscape, like an alien landscape, yeah. nothing like they've ever seen before, and the cacti and and things like that. And yeah, the kids in the back then talking about the reason why they're going through it at night. Yeah. I didn't quite put together that the I'll be there speech was from this movie. Yeah. And Oh, wherever there's injustice. I'll be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um so when it came and I was so in it into it anyway, I was like, Oh yes. And I and, and I even knew that it was Fonda who did it, but right. I just couldn't quite I didn't put the pieces together before I first watched it. I, I love that moment because it's like we finally have hope. Yeah. For Tom. Not, not just for people, but that Tom might get past his being mean mad and, and really do something beneficial and it's, with his life. And it's good in the context of the movie, but it's underwhelming in the context of how the book actually ends. Well, very true. The, so anybody who hasn't read the book, and we haven't, but I, I went through and I read the entire plot synopsis yeah, of it. Yeah, me too. Um, so Tom disappears like he does to go off and and to find a labor union to join and to to fight for workers rights yeah and you know better quality of life and things like that and uh then they get flooded out of wherever they're living and have to like retreat into the hills where they find a barn and and it's not all of them no yeah because other members of obviously noah isn't there because he stayed down by the river in the book, yeah. which again he disappears in the. He disappears in, in the book too, so he never. Could, but yeah. at least they have an explanation for why he disappears. He yeah. he actually says to to Tom and and Pa that he is. I'm just going to stop here. I'm not going to go any further. She is. She has had the, uh, the the pregnant sister. Rosa Sharon. Rose. Yep. She has had. She has had a stillbirth. I, I don't know whether I don't recall whether it's either before or after they get flooded. I'm assuming it's before the flood, and then they have to retreat. Up yeah. into the hills, yeah, and they find the barn, and they find the starving man. Well, they the starving man finds them. Okay, there yeah, it's, I think so. They're 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 taking shelter in the barn. Yes, right? and, and it's he, a, the young. Yes, like I'm not sure who the relationship, but the young. There's a young man bringing in an old man, saying he's gonna die. And so she she feeds him with her breast milk. Yeah, which you would you could never shoot that in 1940. But no, what a poignant ending. What a much for me that is the far stronger ending than okay, Tom's just gonna go fight for workers' rights. It's super underwhelming. Well, I mean, we do get Ma gets a little speech. Yeah. at the end, 
You know, I think it's that that I it's such an old cliche, but you know, a, a picture's worth a thousand words. Sure. And sure, we get we get Ma's speech, and it's 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 pretty good, but that is such a an image of compassion. Yeah. And and hope. Yeah. That and uh, yeah, it's unfortunate that you you know for nineteen forty you you couldn't there's you could not have there's done no it. way in hell you could do that um, I mean you couldn't do. You couldn't even imply it. Yeah. If you weren't going to be able to do the breastfeeding scene, you sure as hell weren't going to be able to do the stillbirth. Yeah. And not even that you... And that's funny to say that, actually, now, because I'm drawing the comparison to the daughter in in Gone with the Wind dying. And that's in full color. You remember, she gets kicked in the head by the horse. You don't see it. Yeah. She gets trampled to death by the horse. That's and her, a year before this. Exactly. So... I mean, why couldn't you? Why Why do you think you couldn't do the, the stillbirth even off screen? Because you could have the labor scene and then you don't have to show a dead baby. I don't think, I do not think it was the stillbirth. I don't think it was even the mention of it that would have done. I think it was her nursing him. Yeah, and so if you're going to, if you're, if you're going to have him, her nursing him, then you may as well not do the whole thing at all. Yeah, right? yeah. It defeats, I think, it, I mean, then it's just her unfortunately having a stillborn and and then that's the end of the movie that's just a cruel yeah that's just yeah. a really cruel way to yeah. end the movie and so you just cut out the whole part of it yeah. and you know you end with the idea of hope right you know that things will get better yeah um anything else you want to say about it do you have an, do you have, a, do you have an unsung hero uh no I, I not an unsung hero because i i think he's probably well enough remembered for it it's, it's john carradine sure for me he, he steals the movie yeah, I think I and I think I would go with uh, with Jan Darwell. Yeah, yeah, definitely deserved that. Cause I, yeah, I, 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 how she handles the conversation with Tom after they actually they see the water, they see California, and oh, you know how, how's Grandma? And she goes, "No, Grandma died. She was she died last night. I knew we had to get across." And well, she, you get the feeling she was she was dead when those. Uh, oh, she state was line expect- yeah, inspectors yeah. came through. Yeah. yeah, and just how at that point, I remember I remember wrote, writing down that she really is the rock of this family. Yeah. She is the one keeping everything together. Yeah, yeah. And um, well, she also has another great line as well about how how they ain't family no more, and they ain't been family or yeah. something like that. They've they've lost that sense of family. Yeah. So I'm curious, Ian. Do you think this should be in the book? With how underwhelming it was for me, I still think it's an important piece of classic cinema. I still think it's uh, an important literary adaptation. And the themes that it, it dealt with, are it, it's important enough to stay in the book. Not, not necessarily, I'm probably never going to watch it again, if I'm honest. But it deserves to be in there. I think everybody should see it once. Yeah, I, I, I have a more of a resounding yes. And... I agree. It's not just a movie you pop in. Yeah. You know, it's it's not. But I do think that, and I've mentioned this, I've mentioned this a lot. I'm not just trying to put out there that I have kids, but I I do think it'll be important. You know, as as my kids get older and they get into into grade school and middle school and they kind of start to learn about you know when they learn about American history and they yeah. learn about the Dust Bowl and they learn about the Great Depression. You know that this is a great movie to show to say yeah. this is this happened 
This yeah. is in our history, you know, and not not too long ago. And I would throw it in there. I would also, if you're thematically, I would show them stuff like Cinderella Man, which deals with the Great Depression as well. I love even that movie is so underrated. Oh, it is. I love that movie. And on the waterfront as well, dealing with those labor unions and yeah. things like that. Yeah, those those are all very good, good films to show them yeah. dealing with that kind of era. Yeah. Well, that was uh, that was our second poll episode. John Ford. We went with. Uh, Grapes of Wrath. It's a yes from both of us. Before we finish, oh, would you advocate a remake? And I'm not just advocating... No, and hear me out. I don't think it should be remade. Even as much as I would like to see the ending actually done properly. Yeah. I don't think that's reason enough to remake it. But I, would you advocate a remake? I, I agree with everything you just said. Okay. I think it's... I believe that it is a great, great book. Yeah. And... That over time, great books do get remade more than once. I get that 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 is and can happen. But I don't, I don't. And I think maybe the reason why I don't think it needs to be remade is because as much as I would love to see the the whole story get told and, and, you know, be able to tell the ending the way it did, I like knowing how quickly this movie was made after the book was written. That it was basically made of the time. And yeah. I love I love seeing that. I mean, yes, you can do a movie like Cinderella Manor or On the Waterfront, which On the Waterfront, kind of a period piece. But, you know, Cinderella Man was made in 05, right? Yeah. So it's clearly further removed yeah. from the Great Depression than, <laughs> than the Graves of Wrath. Well the, well, the thing that is great about it is you feel the angst. Yeah. Of the time. Yeah, it's just... It just feels right it feels like even though we won't get that ending it's the definitive version of it and i i don't know that i want to see a remake i i I understand why you would do it and what actors would want to walk in their shoes you here's the thing somebody would want i mean i I mean you would want to it's the challenge it's i i'm just i'm having with all the all the adaptations that he has been doing uh, who's he did uh as i lay dying I just, I see, I I wouldn't remake it just to stop Franco from being in it. I'm sorry, I, Franco, I, we've had conversations about him. You know what I mean? I feel like he, if if ever somebody said, I'm remaking Grapes of Wrath, I feel like he would campaign for it. Well, it would make sense. He you know, he was on Broadway doing Of Mice and Men. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. this is right up his alley. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't want to see him do it. I don't either. Because I think he's an arrogant little prick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm on board with that. Yeah, I don't. I'm. I'm not okay with him. As much as I love the disaster artist, no, it was I'm, fun. I, I'm was not fun. okay with the, him getting the globe for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have opinions about movies, of course we do, but we want to hear your opinions about this movie and really about any movie. Um, so find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter. Thank you for voting in this poll. We'll have another one soon. We try to try to do them every once in a while. Help you yeah. help you get uh, some information and help you uh, help us pick movies. Um, but even if we're not doing a poll, let us know if there's something that you want us to to do a podcast on. As long as it's in the book, it's definitely in consideration. So sometimes you giving us ideas helps us narrow down an already very big task. Of, of trying to pick movies to talk oh, about. Oh, it's, it's overwhelming. So um, please give us some feedback. Facebook and Twitter, you can uh, subscribe to us on Google Play. You can listen to us on Spotify. You can subscribe on iTunes. That's a big one. Thank you for all the comments and, and rating us and reviewing us. Uh, we 
we're loving doing this and we're going to keep doing it. So um, give us some feedback. We'd love to improve. We want to improve with each each session and give you the best bot pot and give you the best podcast that we can possibly give you. It, w- it would help if we could actually pronounce the word podcast. It would, and not podcast. Yeah. Um, uh, but we'll work on our diction between now and the next recording session. Until then, I am Adam. And I am Ian. And we will see you next week.